Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They had been been around the block a time or two. What's the first deal they built, I bet? No, no, you know, I think they were, the the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped up car, and he he complained that the government gave him these piece of crap, cheapo cars, and that, that were really no match. But he thought he was doing pretty good, and then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappears. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And as he said, it was a game of chicken, and I was the chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually, he was the guy who who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a a barbed wire fence. So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast, available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast. Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Eric Estep here. One of my favorite parts of being a NASCAR fan is collecting diecasts. It's how I got my start on YouTube, actually. To me, a room is not complete until it features shelves of NASCAR diecast cars. It's as good a time as ever to continue your collection or begin an all-new one by pre-ordering your favorite driver's 2022 next-gen diecast at LionelRacing.com or at any authorized Lionel retailer. Lionel is the official diecast of NASCAR, and don't miss Lionel Racing's NASCAR Authentics diecasts at a Walmart or Target near you. Not only is Lionel the official diecast of NASCAR, but they're also official supporters of the Out of the Groove Podcast Network. So what are you waiting for? Head to LionelRacing.com to order your favorite driver's 2022 diecast. Hello, my name is Rick Houston, and welcome to the Scene Vault Podcast, your source for all things NASCAR history. I took some Talladega tires and laid them out in the sun, pumped them up to 130 pounds a piece, and was stretching them and uh, letting them grow. After the race, he's in the van. He saw how wore out you were with rotor burns and all kinds of burns all over you. You saw how dehydrated he was with his eyes sunk back in his head and blisters on his hands, and you had mutual respect for each other. He come down pit road and races over, got out, and there's some fan walking by with a cooler. He knocked the cooler out of the guy's hand, flipped the lid up, and put his foot in it. We went to Sturgis together, and you know he looks over at me and said, "Why do you want to go on your vacation with a 75-year-old man?" Yeah. I said, "Man, I love you, buddy. I just love you." <laughs> Really, at the end of the day, it's all about the, the memories and the friends for me. The day NASCAR and all of us associated in any way with NASCAR forget its past, that's the day we don't have any future. Hello, everyone. I'm Steve Wade. 
and my name is Rick Houston, and welcome to a very special episode of the Scene Vault Podcast. Steve, what started out as basically a way to juggle some travel that I have coming up in the next couple of weeks, it really turned into something I think our listeners are going to consider pretty doggone special. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not know what to expect. I mean, it started out, I needed six microphones because when we started, you were going to be able to be there and then you weren't going to be able to be there. So then I only needed five microphones. Well, I only have four mics and my soundboard only has four channels in my limited technical understanding. There's one microphone to one channel. So I needed five microphones and five (laughs) channels and my board only has four. All right. All right. (laughs) It sounds interesting. So I got my buddy, Todd Phillips lined up and Todd is a friend of mine here in Yakinville. He is a musician. He does a lot of work as a sound engineer. That's why if you look at the video edition of this conversation, all the cables are nice and neat and wrapped. (laughs) (laughs) If I had set it up, there would have been cables hanging from the rafters. (laughs) (laughs) I am pretty sure of that. (laughs) Todd actually introduced me to the concept of tie wraps. Just roll your cables up and bundle them up nice and neat with a tie wrap. <laughs> what an idea, man. <laughs> you learn something every day, man. When I get everything set up by myself, I just roll the cords up and pitch them in the case. And when I get them out, they're all tangled up and everything. And yeah, I see my setup here. You talk about a mess. <laughs> <laughs> That end of things was covered by Todd and Todd did a great job with everything. But then I also didn't know quite what to expect out of the conversation with Tony Rambo Liberati, Buddy Parrott, Jerry Cannon, and Chris Hussey. I mean, you were in the same room with those guys. I was, now, I know these guys, <laughs> I, <laughs> you're going to be bent double with laughter with those guys. <laughs> I promise you that. <laughs> Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I felt pretty confident that they weren't going to just sit around and stare at each other. But like you say, heaven only knows (laughs) what they were going to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) But Steve, I was so incredibly pleased with the way that everything turned out because from the very first moment that we started talking, I knew that we were onto something. I mean, this conversation was everything that I hoped it would be. And then some, well, the guy you were with are known to be great talkers and great storytellers. I'm not surprised you had a good time. I wish I was there and the stories. Holy cow, man. I feel pretty confident in saying that our listeners are going to love these two episodes. We're not going to break down the conversation like we typically do the whole episode this week and next is going to be these guys talking. I'll tell you what, Rick, I can't wait. Why don't you just let her rip? Guys, take it away. Kind of what I had in mind is I've got a few just kind of starter questions to get you guys talking, but my hope is that you guys would start talking to each other and just have a good time just sitting around bench racing. So, you know, I know it changes with the camera and all that crap, but just want to have a good time and let y'all tell some stories. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. And guys, why don't you just go around and introduce yourself? Why y'all start with me? What's your house? Oh, okay. It's my house. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Tony Liberati and, uh, and, um, I don't know what else you want me to say other than well, you Tony got any Liberati other names and, other than Tony Liberati? Oh, uh, well, they call me Rambo, I guess, which come from Johnny Klein at Petty Enterprises way back in the day. I showed him some pictures, Marine Corps pictures, and he's like, "You're regular Rambo," and uh, it stuck. It stuck. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people don't know my real name. <laughs> Antonio <For sure>. Rosario. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a lot of people got a lot of different names back then, you know. Uh, but uh, my name is Buddy Parrott, and uh, often imitated, but never duplicated. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. I'm Jerry Kennan. All right. Chris Hussey. All right. Good deal. 
Guys, what is the top line on your resume? What were you most known for in sport? Well, mine is um, raising hell after the race clo- uh, racetrack closes. <laughs> <laughs> it's all been there. <laughs> I think, didn't he win the 200 with Richard? Did yeah. he do that? Yeah. 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 That's good. Rambo, I don't know. you? What's the top, top line, line on your resume? Uh, I don't ask somebody else. I'm I'm still what? thinking about that. I don't know. I um don't be they shy. make fun of me. They make don't fun be of me now that, to be shy. <laughs> <laughs> they, they make fun of me a little bit at the shop now because they, they always say that I um after working a year at Jimmy Johnson, I told him he wasn't no good and he'd go back to the <laughs> I desert. <didn't> do that. <laughs> I <didn't. laughs> Now let me just say that's not a true story. I did not say that. <laughs> I tell Jimmy all the time. I said, "You keep trying, you are gonna make it. Just keep up, keep up." <laughs> but that's right. not a true story. All right, so we'll come back to Rambo. Jerry, what's what's the top line on your resume? I don't. Other than the truth will set you free, and it has me a couple places. It's going. I live and die by it. I can't. I'm not a. I couldn't be a good politician. I can't. If somebody asks me, I'm going to tell them. It darn sure ain't the carburetor, is it? It ain't the carburetor. (laughs) One thing was for sure. Yes, that was a big day. Let me ask you this. You worked with a car at one point and a driver at one point who drove a white car with a couple of of zeros on the side. Correct. And I think it was sponsored by some some kind of ham car. Thomas Brothers Country Ham. Ham car. All right. So go ahead and tell tell me who you worked for. Sam Ard. And then Jimmy Hensley drove after Sam got injured, and then Brett Bodine for a couple of years, and then everybody kind of parted ways. Howard kept racing, and and then just kind of fizzled out. Racing kind of changed, and he kind of got away from it. Now, when did you start with that car? Eighty-two. Eighty-two. So you started the first year of what was Actually, then known as in July. Okay. That, uh, Jesse Cope was a crew chief and an employee there at the working on trucks, and they had not run good for a little bit, and Sam. Actually, Kevin Grubb and I had a lawn mowing business, kind of going and working at Jay Hescox at night. And yeah, I saw Jay, and he goes, "Man, Sam's looking for you." And I said, "For what?" He goes, "I want you to come to work." And I said, "Yeah, okay." You know, but we had helped Sam fix his car a couple of times when he got in a bind. I went down there and talked to him, and I went down there. And first race was July the fourth, and Caraway, about eleven hundred degrees. And <laughs> and they had changed the rule where you couldn't change tires. You had to run 200 laps on the same set. And Sam was famous for jumping off the racetrack with five to go and putting tires on and win. <laughs> and I kept telling him, you got to slow down. And Butch and everybody was there, Butch, Lindley, and Jack. He goes, I know what I'm doing. I said, okay, you got to slow down. Though. I'm telling you, Butch is coming. About three to go, Butch got inside him. He kept cutting him, up, cutting him off. And coming to the white flag, he cut him off too short. And Butch spun him out. Car wouldn't start, you know, a little starter on it. Sam said, you know what? I said, what? He goes, I ain't never going to play golf with him again. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he said. I said, Jesus. <laughs> all right, Mr. Hussey, what about uh, you? I'm going to say I didn't accomplish a whole lot other than making some really good friends and uh, and working with some really good people and, and actually people that I – uh, considered legends growing up and heroes, and then I got the, the got the ability and the uh, the opportunity to rub elbows with them and work with them. Uh, did win a few races. Uh, got to be a part of a Bush Grand National Championship team, but uh, really at the end of the day, it's all about the, the memories and the friends for me. So the Bush Grand National Championship was with Bobby. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. All right. Yep. Good deal. Come close a few other times. Yeah. He actually, uh, he actually <laughs> lost it because Joe won it, and he won the race from a lap I down. I wasn't there. I, I, I was at, I was, I was at Roush's. Yeah, oh, I was okay. in 92. was at Roush's. Oh. All right. I, I'm not going to forget say, you. What? What's – What's? I'd have to say, like Chris, I mean, if you look at my – I don't got a Hall of Fame career, but I got to work with some really, really good people, and that's, that's sort of why I like this because – in my career, there's parts that stood out, and one of the big parts was these two guys that I worked with at Roush. I was with the 16 car, Wally Dollenbach, and they were with Mark. And um, and uh, listened to these guys and, and watching these guys, and I learned a whole lot. 
because I felt like that, that was like my real very first race team. And I drove. I lived in Cheryl's Ford. I drove 100 miles a day to get there. But no, that that day at Roush. Yep. The old blue truck, I still got it. Oh, um, 475,000 miles. But um, <laughs> that that set my career in motion, them them years at Roush with these two guys here. And there was, there was a couple other ones, but um, especially these two guys because, you know, we hung out a lot and, and uh, we had a good time. And then further along in the career, I got with Buddy here, and Buddy sort of took me to the next level. Not really much about working on the cars, but about the people in the business and, and all that where I could take my step to uh, become a crew chief and, and go on. So with these guys right here, are definitely instrumental in my career. Now, did you did you two actually work together, you yeah. and Buddy? Jeff Burton. <clears throat> okay. Jeff Roush. With Jeff Burton, yeah, and old my, buddy made my life miserable. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Because I had the brother. <laughs> <laughs> you had, you Ward. had more. I had Ward. Yeah, Ward, yeah. Ward, Ward would walk over and say, "Here's what Jeff's got in his car, but I can't drive what he drives." Different <laughs> car. <laughs> I think the best part about it was we made Liberty miserable, mm. and and we set out to do that. And you know how Mark was, and Mark Mark didn't care. Well, you ain't helping them. You ain't, I don't want them to have nothing. Yeah. And then we started whooping their butt and turned them upside down all the way to the point where they moved to Mooresville. Yeah. And Buddy Buddy was right in the middle of all that, and uh, and he had we to. Were gone then. Yeah, we yeah. were gone. Yeah. But that was that was a good deal then. But yeah, Buddy, you know, Buddy, you know, he's. It, it, I always say I never. Buddy was a good mechanic throughout the years. I ain't never seen him turn a wrench. <laughs> and by the time and he would come in and, and me and Scott Deal, Frankie Stoddard we'd be in there grinding our guts on this car and buddy every week he'd come in and he'd say boys I usually don't do this but I know you guys got it so I'm gonna go ahead and get my motor home and just go on to Dover <laughs> I don't ever leave before the car's done but I know y'all got it <laughs> and, and, and sure enough they had it though well, oh yeah on, man I, I, uh, it's all about the people you buddy well, don't let yeah. him talk about you like well, that you know what? It was a compliment, <laughs> and I feel like it was because, you know, the um, the thing was that um, I'd been there and done that. Uh, I, I saw in Rambo, and I saw in in the people that I hired or, or got to work at at the shop and all their abilities, and uh, why not use those? You know, instead of instead of me. Having to go out there and, and turn wrenches and stuff, and uh, listen, I I spent many many long hours uh, laying on the floor, on the cold concrete floor, uh, bump steering cars, and and he did. doing all the things. He did and, get over my shoulder. And, and uh, <laughs> for sure. Matter of fact, I was watching. Um, I was watching. Uh, Everham's deal and 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 the guy was out there in the sun and he had a bump steer gauge going. I said, "Now that's that's racing right there, boys. <laughs> that's right. You know that's uh, there's a." There's I a, I think I can tell you one story that would would solidify how Buddy was. Everybody knows back then we had practice and and then we would do our stuff and then we had happy hour. At the end of happy hour, everybody go get a tire temperature, and everybody walk up and push their cars back down. Well. Well, Buddy's on top of the truck, and everybody's walking to their cars, and Buddy's like, okay, first one to car is $100. Now, you got to picture this. All these guys, we done worked all day. We're slipping in our own sweat, and 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 here you go. All these guys working, and here comes the 99 guys running fast as they can <laughs> right up there to that car. WF. And, that, and that's that's the way Buddy was. He, had, he knew how to work the people. He knew how to, to get the most out of everybody, and well, that's what I learned. Um, and, and I got, uh, I got asked a lot about how do you, how do you get those guys, how do you get them so revved up and, and do what they do? Rambo and, and, um, uh, and Scott Deal. racing and Scott Frankie. Deal and all those guys. How do you do it? I said, boys, hundred dollar bills. <laughs> sure <laughs> enough. Somebody you got to want it. Uh, yeah. want it. That's yeah. what I have to say about Roush and everything. We yeah. wanted it. I mean, we did a lot with 35 people. Yeah. yeah. You, you mean somebody asked you how you were going to get Rambo wound up no. or wound down? <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference there. <laughs> well, I had to keep him, uh, I had to keep him under my thumb a lot because, uh, you know, 
uh, I had the, I had a little crew chief and uh, on that car, and he was going to threaten to kill him. And, <laughs> on a regular basis. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like seeing that. And I, I, didn't that, that uh, I like seeing him try that. I, I didn't want that to happen. I got in that. I got in that with Mark too. I don't know if y'all remember. I did too. You're late. But um, <laughs> but we were testing. Do you remember it, Chris? Uh, probably. We were testing, probably. and so we was down there three days with the '99 car, and then we had two days with the Bush cars. Which what do you call them now? Xfinity cars. Yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. But they yeah. Bush cars. Where's yeah. that? And um, it was at Daytona. So I was there the whole time, and I'm running data, and I'm doing shocks for all these cars, doing all this. Well, we get that was like the last day, and. Uh, I come over and I have a set of shocks because the nine car was out running the 60 car. So Burton was out running Mark's Bush car. So Mark, of course, is beside himself. So <laughs> I come bring these shocks over and I go to set them on a the bench and Mark turns around, he grabs them, he slings them out of my hand, he throws them on the bench. And it caught me off guard for a second and I went, I was fixing to grab Mark and I stopped and I turned around and I come out of the garage and I, now I was fighting mad. I'd been there five days. And I come around the corner, I run into Jack, so I grab Jack. And I said, you go tell that little bup, 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 that I'm going to, when this is all done, I'm going to whoop him right here in this garage area. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so about 30 minutes later, here come Mark. Hey, man, sorry about that. <laughs> and that was it. But yeah, that's uh, crazy times. You don't remember that, Chris? I wasn't there. You wasn't there? I was at a Talladega test with the six when y'all first started that deal with Burton. And y'all went out, run, come in hot. You was there. Remember this? Not with Burton. No, we weren't with Burton. We were with Mark, but they okay. started that deal. Yeah. And uh, he come in, this thing's steaming. And I'm looking out. We're in the trailer, and I'm looking in the garage. And pulls the tape off. Go out, run again, come in, steaming, steaming. The sun got about right, and I stand there looking out to the window, and I said, Steve. He goes, what? I said, look, look at the grill. The cardboard was still in front of the radio. He went, I got to do this. I got to go tell him. Because, you know, I, oh, I mean, yeah. he did rub everybody wrong when everybody moved because he felt like he got But it wasn't that way, really. But some people's feelings got hurt. But he said, I got to do this and run over there. And I'm like, dude, you burn that motor up. Like, so he went and told it, you know. But then about the next time we went out, I forgot left the caps and plugs in there. Remember that? <laughs> it's amazing um, how, how times have changed because – that that particular program, you know, I, I went, I got with Jack and uh, and we went to got up to Mooresville and and uh, he had his reasons and uh, but I won't get into all that about doing that. It but uh, matter. It's, but it's anyway, he uh, the team the team it was Roush Racing, okay, but there was no. There was no help at all. Now you've got you got you got Bush teams, uh, Cup teams, all those cars, and they're all feeding all this information. Yeah. You know, just think what if we had had been able to to uh, capitalize put that thing that. together and to cooperate with each other. You know, and uh, like I said, I'm not going to name names and things. Everybody knows knows the pro program, but uh, I was proud of. Um, of that Roush program, uh, probably Jack was probably the best guy I worked with. Car owner uh, let me do whatever I wanted to do, and uh, we—I don't think we ever had a, a harsh word. And uh, I can't say that. Now, why was there? Why was there not cooperation between the teams? Was that a directive from somebody, or was that just the way it? Above, it, it above us, okay. Yeah. yeah. But Jack, yeah. Jack wanted to prove to Mark. Yeah. That he could do it because there's a you know a bunch of turmoil going on up there. Well, but you it, know, it was a period of you had so many one car teams, and it was right when the transition was starting to be to multi car teams. Exactly. And, 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 and if it, the world was still round, we'd have forty one car teams. Mm -hmm. and that's that. That's when it was fun. The uh, that you know the multi car teams made it difficult just because. And a lot of people don't understand there was no testing policy. And you talk about we did it with thirty five people. We race on Sunday. We needed we either drive. If we drove to the racetrack, we flew home. If we flew, we drove or back and forth, one or the other. Mm -hmm. Pit crew worked in the shop, and when you got home on Sunday, on Monday, you debrief on Tuesday, you tested Tuesday, Wednesday, come home, threw that bag down, picked that next one, went to the next race. Right or wrong? Oh, yeah. Now these guys got pit crews to get days off, and the crew, I'm like, days off? Yeah, they got three teams. They got three teams. They got a team that 
works on the race cars yeah. in the shop. They got a team that travels, and they got a team that does the pit stops. That's three separate teams. Now I can remember if you're doing pit stops, Thanksgiving Day and Christmas oh, yeah. Eve, I mean, all the time. What was the uh, the man count for uh, for the teams? Were started out, I think, like ten or twelve, yeah. and then we got. I think the, before I left in uh, in two thousand uh, one. Uh, the count was 15 per 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 team. So, uh, and now look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to go back to the... Um, I mean, this is... Uh, if you want to go back to the, uh, the the competition between it, it went on way before that. And yeah. you all remember, we went to Daytona and test. We had JR20. And we run fast. Look at it. You see them laughing. That's for, I put the back window in that car. And uh, <laughs> we, had JR, we had JR20. And we brought that thing home because it was all primered, and they painted that thing blue, and it had a six on it. Yeah. When we went back to Daytona, that's just the way it was. Yeah. Mark. Mark. Mark called his shots. Yeah. It's like we built two cars when I came back and helping Ted. Went to Charlotte. And it's both in primer. Mark went out and ran like a, I don't know, thirty fifty in his car primer. Ted went out and ran like a lot slower, and he goes, "Go get Mark. Put him in there." And Buddy Foss goes, "Here's these half a second rags." And he puts him in the seat and goes. Yeah. Mark goes, I can't reach the pedal good and the belts don't fit. I'll just shake it down. Didn't change tires. And he ran a 30, 45. And he come in and goes, Jerry. I said, what? He goes, you get home, paint this thing red, white, and blue. He we change the right front shock, I can sit on the pole. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And he Some would. of that turmoil was Mark, Yeah. Him. Mark did that with Wally. Because when Wally come back to me, I said, whoa, them rags is worth a second. Don't take them out. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he's he's a race car driver. He's, yeah. I mean, he knew what he wanted. He knows what, I mean. Look at Kyle Larson. No matter he needs to do what he can, you know. But he came along. He came along the time with Rusty Wallace. Rusty didn't want a two car team, or or, or Hell, Bobby Allison did. That, was, did. A, that yeah. was their mentality. Yep. You know, they they wanted to keep they wanted to keep their what they did on the cars because Mark was sharp on a race oh, car. Yeah. He could he could he could help you uh, and listen to him. He knew he knew things to to do to the race car. Uh, Rusty. Rusty was hands-on with me, and, uh, you know, that was... Uh, well, I, I've said race car drivers have never been team players. They, yeah. they grew up going to the racetrack, whether it's go-karts, race cars, and it was usually a family operation, and that was their team, and it was all about them. Yeah. Everything was focused on them, and, and even before they had team drivers, it was about them because, it, at, you know, at the end of the day, they, they were their own team, their independent contractor, and, uh, boy, when you, when you got out of the the era where they rode with you to the racetrack mm. in the van, in the car, and then the, the motorhome thing came along. And then of course Rain. the jets and the helicopters and all that, all of a sudden they were an independent contractor and they wasn't, they, they were their only team. They, they were their own team. So nothing, fun, nothing better than riding down the road with your driver. <laughs> yeah. Everybody. Well, I, I tell Everybody. people after the race, you talk about respect. Uh, after the race, he was in the van. He saw how wore out you were with rotor burns and all kinds of burns all over you. You saw how dehydrated he was with his eyes sunk back in his yeah, head and, bl and blisters on his hands. And you had mutual respect for each other. And, you know, then it got to the point where they, they stop on pit road, get out of the car and walk to the motorhome. And you have to go find the car because they're mad. Didn't even tell you where they parked it. <laughs> yeah, sure enough. And push them things around. I want to say one thing like with Buddy here because I think Rambo, Jer Jerry's in that older click too but Ram rambo's <laughs> and, and, and i'll talk about jerry i never give jerry enough credit okay if it hadn't been for jerry cannon i'd have went off to north Carolina state university and i'd have probably never got in racing I told me and he, he, <laughs> told, he told me every day what a mistake i was oh, making yeah. but i, I wanted mean, to go work on race cars and he gave me the opportunity to work on race cars and start getting making a little bit of money and getting paid for it and, and that opened the door and and that kind of thing but i want to talk about people like buddy as a as I call it, a young snot-nosed kid running around the racetrack, uh, doing what you always wanted to do, doing what Jerry Kennan told me not to do, and, and all that, and then get in that cup garage, and you head to Buddy Parrots, and, and you can go to Steve Mills and Dale Inman's and Leonard Woods mm -hmm. and Barry Dodson's, and I could sit here and name them all one after another. And all you had to do, Richard Broom, all you had to do is walk up and ask a question, and they'd help yeah, you. Yeah, they would, yeah. And they would help you. And, you know, you almost took it for granted because that, that was your, your heroes and your legends that you, you listened to MRN on Sunday afternoon sitting on the, the porch with your dad listening to the races and you heard Ned Jarrett and Dick Brooks interview these yeah. guys and all of a sudden you're rubbing elbows with them and you're with them but what 
looking back now that you're older and mature is, why did they take that much time with me? Because I go home some nights and I feel like I probably didn't treat a young guy like I should have. And it's like, I need to act more like the Buddy Parrots and them guys did with me and teach these young guys and, and, and give them the time of day and, and give them the respect that, that they deserve and that I got from those guys. And, and that's one of the things that when I think about Buddy and knowing that I was going to get to see Buddy tonight, I want to make really clear that it's amazing how much time those guys spent. Robert G., uh, you know, you can just go on and on that those guys. Probably big influence on, you know, they you know, so, do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's just why did they, you know, why were they mm-hmm. so nice? And it's because they were – they were they were gentlemen, you know, and even and, though they were competitive. Yeah, and the, they yeah. they were competitive. When it came down to it, we all they were always helping. Each other. I mean, but, it didn't matter if it was brake pads, you know, are you running DS 11s right. or are you running 83? You, you know, you go ask them, and and they told blues you and truth. reds, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I just that that's something that I think went away. Yeah. Several years ago, of course, money ruins everything, but that that was a time that they was always willing to help, and I, and I do appreciate that. Well, I think it's funny you bring that up because my next question was going to be, who was the most influential person in your career? I'm sitting beside him, <laughs> and I promise you. And Thank I don't want to. I, I don't want to get. I wasn't talking about you, Rick. There's <laughs> a, a sound guys in between. I'm going to tell you, and I and and I'll get all sappy on you, but this man right here taught me more about people, and uh, and and pointed me in the right direction when I wasn't wanting to be pointed. And, and once we, you know, got through all that and, and, and what I did after I was with him, then we became friends and riding motorcycles and we went to Sturgis together and, you know, he looks over me. He said, "Why do you want to go on your vacation with a seventy-five-year-old man?" And I said, "Man, I love you, buddy. I just love you." And we've had so much time together. And uh, I would say, as far as being an influence, there would be this man right here, Buddy Parrot. And I love this man. I ain't afraid to say. You're not gonna cry, are you? I might. You might make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> what he really wanted me to go to Sturgis with him for? You got to listen to this. We worked. We worked really hard uh, loading the motorcycles and getting the getting the uh, motorhome ready to go and things like that. And and uh, lights wouldn't work on the trailer. We tried everything. So, <clears throat> get in the car, get in the motorhome, and I'd never driven this motorhome before. All of a sudden, we get in the in the gorge. In the gorge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's pouring down rain, and like you won't, you, you can't even see hardly. Rambo pulls that thing over to the first pull off. You know, he says, "Buddy, I'm I'm so tired, I can't hardly drive this." I done worked all day, you know. <laughs> and I, we worked on the thing a half the night, and Buddy's standing around telling me to hurry up. <laughs> but but that's the way we uh that's the way we did. He was he was actually uh one of uh my third my third son. Yeah. He and I Brad mean, actually lived together and Judy Judy <laughs> said, I'm gonna tell you what, those two boys got to go. I cannot believe <laughs> I cannot believe what's growing in their refrigerator. <laughs> Judy'd come over and clean up and we'd go out on the boat with Buddy. He had that big old boat. It reminds you um, Rodney Dangerfield driving yeah. the boat around. <laughs> yeah, that's him. <laughs> We'd be going along, buddy. There's a skier. Yeah, that's seventy seven. No, buddy. There's a skier. No, that's seventy. <laughs> right over me. Hey, you don't care. I didn't hit me. <laughs> I don't think that's good. Well, buddy, who who would you consider to be your most influential? Oh, uh, it has to be Harry Hyde. You know, I, I had so much fun and so much uh, and worked so hard to um to get his respect you know and um i told somebody the other day you know i said i was the tire guy he hired me to to take care of the tires i my i got my start with harry and uh, actually worked with uh, uh on the race cars but goodyear uh in thomasville uh, thomasville huggins uh, huggins tire and uh but i got tired of we we got to a point where Firestone and Goodyear, we battled each other. It was competition. That's what I live and thrive for, competition. You know, I was a springboard diver and all that, and I was in competition, and that's what that's what led me into racing. Uh, but, um, you know, Harry would let us have fun. 
but he was like uh, Patton. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the truth. And everybody thought of him. I mean, you know, carried a gun in his pocket, shot holes in the roof, and stuff like that. But uh, he was um, he respected what you did on the cars. And uh, but I, I know what I was telling you. The uh, about Goodyear. I uh, I'm out of tires on trucks. Our tow rigs, our trailers. I worked. I worked. I tell people I worked a year, and I never even knew what where the bathroom was hardly in the in the in the uh, building because I wasn't in there. Uh, I was outside all the time. And you can see the influence. But I use that. <laughs> I use that as a uh, as a tool because no one ever thought. You know, uh, you go to Talladega. And uh, the lowest, gear, the tallest gear you could get was like a, a two seventy six gear. And uh, Harry, Harry said, "Boy, if I had me a taller gear, if I had me a taller gear." So they went to dinner one day, lunch one day, and came back, and I took some the Talladega tires and laid them out in the sun, and pumped them up to one hundred and thirty pounds a piece, and was stretching them and uh, letting them grow. <laughs> and Harry came back and he said, "What in the hell are you doing out there?" I said, "I'm gonna get you." About a 240 gear. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Yeah. And uh, so, but there was a lot of things that uh, that I, I took from, you know, the, the Huggins days in, into what my job was. My job description was, was a tire guy. And, uh, but Harry, I would, I would, I could ask, I asked him anything and he'd tell me. And he'd even show me setup cards. And cards. And, and, and tell me. Uh, index cards. Yeah, mm-hmm. index, little index, yeah. Three by, what is it, three, three by, by five. Right mm-hmm. there in his pocket. Carried them right here. I hope. He kept his pills in a cigar, too. And I, I still got a <laughs> box of those things that was setups wow. for for those dodges. Cool. And I'm going to keep them, too. I still got that Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. But that's the way we did. and um, But we rode together. Like you guys said, we uh, you live again. I, I, I got to ride in the station wagon, the yellow station wagon. He and uh, Harry and I. Harry Lee was was his son, and he's scared to death to let Harry Lee drive because he'd go to sleep. But he always let me drive the car, and uh, but we had a lot of conversation, time to to talk and discuss things. And uh, but I had a lot of good drivers, you know, go through there with Isaac and Bobby. Uh, uh, Buddy Baker and uh, Dave Marcus. I even went to Pikes Peak, yeah. Colorado, yeah. with my great friend Bobby Unser, who just passed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the day but that Harry passed what? away. If these guys could just have a, 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 a just a little bit of what we had, uh, I think this racing thing would be, would yeah. be so much better. And I was lucky to get to be with Harry whenever I did that deal with Bobby Hill and when he drove, he was helping in Stavola mm-hmm. and we'd go to lunch together. Man, it's like, I'm like, I'm riding a lunch, you know. Yeah. And, but I mean, it was, he was, he, everything he says, is, that's, he'd had them cards all the time. And, and when, when he said something, it was like, okay. And it was, he meant it, you know what I mean? Like, you better remember that because maybe not this minute, but down the road you'll use it. I tell some of the young guys, you know, about you know, they talk about Harry Hyde, and I said never worked with him, but I observed him a lot. Yeah, like I'd sit and watch Jake, and I'd sit and oh, watch Lord. Robert G, and I'd, I'd sit and watch those guys. I just watch them because I, I was amazed by them. And I'll never forget the day that Harry pulled his comb out of his back pocket, <laughs> and it's like never seen him without a hat on. So he, I'm gonna see, you know, without a hat on. He just combed the hair that was outside <laughs> of his hat. Yeah, he didn't take his hat off. Right. He just combed the hair that was outside his hat. Yeah. <laughs> He had a whole head of hair. Yeah, he was. Uh, um, we back then, you know, we we stayed we two to a room, and uh, he always told me, "says Come on in here and stay with me." So uh, I got a story I might tell. On that. <laughs> I'll have at it. <laughs> we were in. Uh, <clears throat> we're at a racetrack. I'm not. Th- I'm trying to think where where we were, but uh, it doesn't matter. But anyway, we were in the bar, and uh, and we came out, and there were a group of uh, guys that just, I think it's California, because uh, that 
on the naval base or something's out there. And so these about four or five guys were sitting there and, and uh, the wise asked me, uh, I said, well, I'm going to sleep good tonight. The Boy Scouts are on duty. Uh, <laughs> they just got out of boot camp. And uh, so they followed me right out the door. <laughs> and uh, I wound up, I, I got through about two or three of them. But uh, I finally, I finally I got my ass out of there. And I ran to the room and I knocked on the door. Harry had the key. He got up and said, what's wrong with that? I said, hide me, man. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry, Harry's got his, his whole shorts shorts on, uh, what do you call them, old men? Boxers. 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 Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I'm laying, I'm, I'm hiding in the bathroom and the cops come up there and beating on the door and everything. And mm. Harry come in, you know, Harry got his glass for the my door. Like, what the hell's going on here? You know, <laughs> it just makes a great big scene, you know, and, and uh, it scared the cops a little bit, you know. Said, We're looking for a guy. Well, he, you look in here. You see anybody but me in my shorts? So that was a that was a story that uh, that'll always stick in my mind. And I had a pair of bib overalls cut off. Well, I didn't have them cut off, but Harry took his pocket knife and cut the legs off. And so I called those my North Carolina bikini, and uh, I would put on diving exhibitions. And that was, a, like I said, that, that was my sport. And uh, he got the biggest kick out of that. And, you know, I did it. I, you know, I said, man, I don't want to do this again. But I'd fall and do clown diving and stuff and crazy stuff around the pool. Won't you tell about when you jumped off the motel roof? Well, I don't have to go to North Carolina. I know some acid you did. Yeah. I think that was Rockingham, wasn't it? No, that was in uh, Atlanta. In Atlanta? Griffin, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, that was a... That was a scary moment <laughs> that I did that. But then I left my glasses and my shoes and everything on the roof, so I had to go climb back up there and get my glasses and roof, my glasses and my shoes and hand them down to this guy. And so I went back to try to get off the roof, and it scared me because I had to go down in this rail. I said, oh, I'm falling under the ground there. So I just turned around and did again. <laughs> went off again. And, Buddy Baker was in his room, and he, he came out, and Buddy, Buddy was a big dresser, you know, and he uh, he said it scared me so bad, I couldn't even go to dinner that night. <laughs> and, uh, but I want to tell you about drivers. I don't know you're going to get into asking about drivers, but Buddy Baker was was one of the best, best drivers, you know, but... He was so funny. He was so he was a good, good guy. I used to threaten to whip him. I'd get up on the wall so I could look at him and I said, I'm going to jump you. He goes, well, come on. <laughs> and, uh, but Baker, uh, we were in uh, Riverside, California, and, and so we'd gotten invited to the uh, uh, big yeah, uh, Union 76 party there. And so Buddy was a he immaculate dresser, dresser, you know. He had silk ties and all this stuff, and and uh, so I, uh, I had for some reason I had a white dinner jacket, and uh, so I asked. I went down to the room and I said, "Hey, buddy, I need to borrow a, a tie." He said, "Well, sure. Come over here." They gave me this beautiful tie, you know. I said, "Okay." He said, "You coming on to the party?" I said, "Yeah, when I get dressed." So I put those bib overalls on, <laughs> and I put this tie on yeah, without a shirt, and I had a white dinner jacket on, and these th ragged, ragged uh, legs that Harry had cut off with his pocket knife, and a pair of slippers. And uh, so when I got to that party, there was a long stairway going into the, and down into the where the area was, the cocktail area, and uh, all of a sudden the. Uh, the girls from uh, Union Oil, they looked up there and people just like this and the whole party stopped when I come down there and Baker, Baker, Baker saw me and he's just shaking his head. Here I got a, I got a thousand dollar suit on. <laughs> <laughs> you got bib overall and you got the most attention. <laughs> so I'm going to quit talking about myself, but uh, having said that, my fun... I had fun. I told everybody that, uh, matter of fact, on my Facebook, I put, uh, I gave my date of birth, which I shouldn't have done that. 
But anyway, uh, but I love NASCAR racing. Um, I've enjoyed it, every bit of it, every minute of it. Um, I don't regret one thing, and uh, I, uh, it was a good life for me. Buddy learned that stuff from Harry, but then Buddy would pass that stuff down. Two things I want to say. One is I remember when Harry died because this man come in the shop, got us all together and said Harry died, and he was crying. And he was my hero, and he was crying. I was like, you know, I seen a chink in the armor there. I'm like, Are you can't, that guy just yelled at me. He's, he got, he was on that it. one feeling he had left, see? Yeah. We all got that one left. <laughs> yeah. But the best part about it was all this crazy stuff they did. And I can remember like it was yesterday. I said, buddy, uh, we was going back to the motel, you know, sort of racing a little bit. And I got in one of them traffic mm. cones, put a scratch down the side of the rental car. Figured I'm in trouble, right? Buddy. That ain't shit. Let me tell you what I did. I took a car and parked it inside a motel room. <laughs> you couldn't get in trouble because, because you know, he was competitive. Every time he wanted to one-up you. You know what I mean? Hey, buddy, I did this. Well, that ain't nothing. Let me tell you what I did. Things have changed much now. I did, oh, yeah. I did take my Sportster and put it in the uh, motel room in Martinsville one time. <laughs> and I cranked it up in there. And, and uh, the pictures on the wall going around and around. around. <laughs> I'd wrap it that thing up. Uh, well, Jerry, I don't think you ever got to your most influential person. It's hard to say because, you know, when I started, with, like, with, I was working with Jay Hedgecock, you know, and I would working part-time with him, you know, I'm racing, going to Caraway or whatever, and then helping Sam, you know, Sam and all them guys were like, oh, wow, you know, and then I got a chance to work with him, and you just, it was just him and I, you know. It ain't like today where you buy everything. Like, we, the first day I went there, we went to Mickey York's junkyard and got a rear end housing out of an LTD, and I cut the ends off and put the snout. We built a whole rear end. We built everything except the transmission and the gear. I mean, the transmission and the engine. I'm bodies, chassis, everything. Him and I. That was You were talking about you and Jay? Sam. You and Sam. Sam R. Yeah. Sam, yeah. And mounted all the tires, drove a truck all over the world. Chris knows a C60 utility truck. 366 target master. It was a tar- I don't blew it. I, yeah. engine, I blew it up. It would get to going so fast, overspeed light would come on on the dash. It's two speed. The thing would fly, you know, and yeah. uh, no air condition. Sam would drive an old van had, or something. Had the seats reupholstered with extra padding. Well, how yep. can you be crew chief if you're the only guy on the crew? Uh, that's it. We had two radios, you know, one in the car and and me, and that was it, you know. And, and I asked Sam one time, you know, being, being not ever driving and not knowing that much about driving i said how do you know like when somebody's up too far you know inside he's if i can't see them or hear them they ain't up far enough <laughs> he didn't have any spotters right. you know in the racing xfinity now whatever you know they talk about kyle coming and running look when, when sam drove it was rusty wallace jeff bodine daryl walsh everybody had their own bush cars Earnhardt, and those guys sam could run with them or outrun them a lot most of the time yeah. and now you know you got you don't, they don't want to let you run them. They don't want to let the cup guys run against them because, I don't know, it's just that the way it is. That makes them better. That makes them better. I think it made them more. If you want to be I a man, didn't, didn't bother you me. Beat they, the man. I loved it. You know, yeah. you know, I knew Earnhardt when he did, and Chris remembers, he didn't have much, two nickels to rub together, and he was in the way a lot of times until he got going good, you know. He still owes me $20. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I know for a fact he, a couple times in his early increase, snuck out of the racetrack because he couldn't pay the tire bill. Oh. I heard that from yeah. Huggins people, but yeah. but I mean he look what I mean he did all right, but uh, <laughs> and just like but I don't know it's hard to say. I mean my dad took me to my first race in West Memphis, Arkansas when I lived in Memphis, and he said when them cars come by on dirt, hooker hood and them, he said when I turned around, he goes I knew you was messed up <laughs> from that minute on. <laughs> and then we moved here to North Carolina, and I would like be out of shape if it rained a race out yep. every Saturday we go, you know, and then. Working with Sam, I don't regret. I mean, Howard Thomas was a really good owner, but racing changed so much. All he cared about was winning, period. I mean, he added on to the building. We'd buy 100 tires at a time, keep them cool. I mean, he was all about it, you know. Tell you what, Sam Ard had respect for more people than everybody everybody that don't know about him because he, uh, with Jeff Burton, you know, oh yeah, yeah that, that's first, Jeff yeah. Burton's right there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he, yeah, Sam, Sam. Uh, Howard got all that stuff and put Sam in business when he came back. You know, a lot of people don't know that. 
and got him going, you know, and Burton was driving and all, and, they, and he helped him a lot, a lot behind the scenes nobody knew. And, it, you know, it it was painful, all that, when, I, when he got hurt and all. You know, it was, it was, it was bad. Now, were you, were you working with him mm-hmm. when that happened? Yep. What do you remember about uh, that day? I remember that we sat on the outside pole, and Jeff O'Donnell was on the pole, and he was late to get there, getting a car. And so we started the race. Sam was leading. This is he come on the radio and he goes, "Look, I'm gonna let him by because I'm gonna show you how easy it is to pass him." <laughs> and he was driving the 15 Levi Garrett car, right? Uh, Jeff was. So the caution came out and we were running second. And, and Ron Bouchard and Bobby Allison was behind us. And I said, "Don't be acting crazy now. Just it's early." They threw the green flag and Bob Shreves was last in line and he blew a radiator hose going into three. Well, they didn't throw the caution. Well. He'd come down the back straightaway, and they started going to three, and Sam, he's going to show me. He just jumped on the outside, and Bobby was on the outside, of the, and they both hit that water, and I mean hit a ton. And when I looked down Pitt Road, I could, Bobby's car was white, red 22, and ours was white double zero, and I couldn't see it. It was way down there. I said, you all right? And he never said anything, and Dale Emman and Steve Mill were in the garage, and he stopped right there, and, and as big as he was, I mean, he was like six, three or four his head was under the dash, and they hopped over the fence. The motor was hung wide right open, and they shut it off, you know. And that, it took a while, you know, to get over that. But it, was, hmm. it was a tough time, real tough right. for me. Maybe 20-some years old, I had to load that thing up and, with help and get home. Chris, he got his young, he started helping me. And I said, quit tightening stuff so tight. And, <laughs> and I don't know how many bolts he broke off. And I'm like, come on, man. But uh, he was... And I'd go watch him play Legion ball, and I'm like, man, you should go do this. This is this is, this is hard. No, I'm going to do this. Okay. Yep. So where did you work with him at? Thomas Brothers. He was, with, really? Yeah, he was I right out of high school. Yeah, I did not realize. I graduated that. high school, and I was at uh, at RTC and, and taking a machinist course. And uh, Jerry, I'd go up there and work for free, but Jerry cut me a deal with Howard, and Howard paid me cash money. Yeah. And, you know, boy, ain't nothing better than cash money, especially as an 18-year-old kid. And, of course, jumped in the truck with him, and we went to Indianapolis Raceway Park, and we went to Milwaukee, and we went. And, man, I was I was seeing the country at 18 years old on somebody else's dollar and just tickled to death. Yeah. And so uh, don't mean to hijack. The lid fell on my fingers. Yeah. We, we, Jerry and I, we could sit here and talk for a long time. Ooh. So, uh, <laughs> But I won't hijack his his part of the conversation. I'm good. That was, I'm good. That. <laughs> I mean, I, I really don't know. I was just, I mean, I looked up to Buddy and Harry and, and Dale Emma was like, I never got to work with the Petties. I'm going to work at the Woods a little while and, you know, in all these places, but I never got to work with him. But you watch them and you talking about watching Harry. I can remember watching Waddell in, in the garage at Daytona. I was watching one day. I was just watched him because I admired him a lot. You know, I mean, he's he done it a little bit. And I'm watching, picked up the radiator cap and he put his finger in the water and he, rubbed it on the ground on the rubber grommet before we put it on and i started doing it and i told him that i saw him not two weeks ago and i said i remember you doing that he started laughing and i said i'll never forget it that he would and he always talked to me after you know i'd talk to him but he's right you could go up and ask anybody there and they talk to you inman anybody if you didn't break your hand you know shaking (laughs) hands with you but it was it was a different time you know but i i you think it was bad times but not really looking back I wish we realized it. Yeah, yeah you don't we, realize it. I wish we could have grasped it more. I mean, mm-hmm. I stayed in, in Dale Inman's room. I was still in the Marine Corps, and I was helping him on the weekends, and Dale would let me stay with him. In Dale Inman's room. Yeah. I'm in the Marine Corps still, <laughs> wanting to get into this deal, and I'm with Dale Inman. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we're like, I've and won I like 22 no races. I yeah. had no Ain't got idea. no pictures, nothing. No, yeah, you know, nothing. we don't have any, I don't have any of that. I wish it I could have grasped it. Just get it loaded up and get out of there. You know? That's right. I mean, just all the people that we've been around, and like Chris said, all these guys that you talked to them, and they never, never had a clue, never realized what was back. going on around us. Yes, until step I guarantee you. I'll, well, I, I tell people here. it's because we work so dad blame hard. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it's the same thing, you know. Well, like, when you was changing three or four engines a weekend, and, and how you about had seven that one day, and you had 15. <laughs> I'm not breaking cams in for Jack in Talladega. <laughs> <laughs> he had 15 sets of tires, and I, you know, I was, I was a tire boy like Buddy, and, and you just didn't have time to think about it. We well, yeah. upset so much that one time at the Winston, beaming and moved. <laughs> yeah. They moved out of the garage. We smoked them out. We, I mean, it's bad. <laughs> I still got yeah. a spark plug of that one. We, we blew up a lot of engines. Oh, oh yeah, but, it's, but, but we all, also did. Go we ahead. also did Goodyear and Hoosiers. 
These yeah. guys oh. talk about getting five sets of tires oh, yeah. ready. Both kinds. Yeah. yeah, we was in Dover, and you'd have the whole hillside. The whole bank, yeah. Ten sets <laughs> yeah. of Goodyear's, ten sets of Hoosers, in case you might need them. Yeah. Whatever you start on, when you could switch one time, so you had to have Marcus. Unless Marcus. He's and they were biased by. That bank yeah. where it leads up to the, uh, horse, to track. the horse track. I mean, you just had tires all the way up that bank. You know, just a that, sea of tires. Uh, that's yeah. how we won a race one day. Uh, uh, had a guy named Richard Petty. We won one ninety nine up there, yeah. and uh, I tell everybody we outtarred them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like Dale, uh, Sam would go see Dale and Richard. You know, I mean, we won Charlotte. If you look at that's, that's Richard's fire suit he's got on. Is it really? Yeah, sure is. And he had these shocks. We always had to have them for Daytona. We go get. I mean, they wasn't nothing special, but no. it was to him. You know, and Dale would give them to him, and we'd put them on. Didn't make no difference, and go. But a funny story about Sam. One time, I by myself. I don't know if you. I don't think he was there. We went to South Boston, and he wasn't there. He didn't show up. I'm like, they didn't run practice. I'm like, where is he at? Nobody had a cell phone. No, you know. And I look, and there's that Ford van that's at the crossover gate, and he's flashing the lights and stuff. I'm like, let him in. Say, let him in. He comes in here. He's got his arm bandaged up from his tip of his fingers to his shoulder. I'm in gauze. I'm like, what in the world? He goes, you ever tried to cut any water pipe with a pocket knife? I said, <laughs> no. He goes, my foot. I said, you got to get in the car. He's unwrapping it the whole time. He had a, always carried a real sharp pocket knife. Well, he's trying to cut water pipe out a well to fix it at home. And knife slipped, and he stuck it from right here to his thumb, and it came out the other side <laughs> all the way through. And he goes, it was all sewed up. He goes, look, I, think, I said, ain't going to be sore. Yeah. So he gets in, qualified good, won the race, right? Well, he comes by about 20 to go, and I'm looking, you know, as he goes by, I'm like, I don't think he's got no gloves on no more. He comes in, gets out on Victory Lane, you know, standing on the front stretch, and blew it all over him. I said, Darren, he goes, them stitches wasn't no good. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, and I said, is it going to be sore? And I poked it, and I poked him on the hand, but he was tough like that, though. Yeah. They don't make them like that no more. No. Mm -mm. Wow. Chris, how about you? Who's your most influential? You know, that's not the first time I've been asked that. And uh, it's, it's too many to mention. And I, I typically, I categorize them. Uh, you know, you start with, uh, you know, when, when we went to work at at, uh, at Roush's, you know, I said, okay, Steve Mill probably taught me yeah. how, how to call a race. Yeah, he was good at that. And Mark Martin probably taught me more about race cars and how just to keep it super simple. Mark mm. kept it so simple. He didn't out think, you know, just really simple. Mark taught me the most about race cars. Bob Labonte. Bob Dan. <laughs> Bob, Bob would be proud if I said this, but he taught he taught me as much about how to treat people as how not to treat people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh and Bob was big, but you know, so I, I, you know, back to each one, you know, racing, calling a race, race cars and all that. But uh, as I said earlier, and I don't want to get all sappy like Rambo over there, <laughs> but uh, J Jerry Kennan taught me a little bit about all of it and as much about life. Uh, that, you know, I was talking about 18 years old and riding up down the highways and, and seeing things as a kid. And, what was and the age difference? How, how much older? 10 years. Yeah. 10 yeah, years. We talked about that the other day. Yeah, we, we touch on that every birthday. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I remember when he was really old, but I he's not so one. old now. Man, and he said, man, you're going to be da-da-da. And I said, yeah, and you're going to be da he went, oh, I ain't never thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> but said, yeah. yeah. We, we, you know, even going to Roush's and then Highline Racing when I helped mm -hmm. them down there, we uh, we spent a lot of time together. and a uh, Got a lot of war stories. Mm. Uh, and uh, but but I was younger, so I was you know he he was teaching me things that he had already learned the hard way, and uh, a lot a lot of it had to do about racing, but a whole lot of it had to do about life too. So uh, if there's a, the most influential person overall, it would be Jerry Kane. Now you gonna make me cry? <laughs> <laughs> You're not even gonna mention your father-in-law. Come on, man. Well, he's my father-in-law. <laughs> That's I a different. You get that yard mode? Yeah, I never. <laughs> I got yeah, At the end of the day, that has nothing about racing because anything he's ever told me about racing, he'd say, "Now you can't tell anybody, and you can't talk in your sleep." Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, Steve I, I just, I just don't talk sleep. about. He said to tow it into bed. All right, tow it in, tow it in. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> but no, it, it, as that's and, true. And I'll say it, even as a as an old hard ass as, as Dale is, ah, he he's been great to me. Mm. You know, he uh, only thing I tell people he's only ever gotten on to me one time, and that's when 
I, you know, I was working at Bill Davis's. Obviously, he was working at Petty Enterprises. Uh, he has a huge yard lawn. Mm. And uh, we were off testing somewhere, and the Petties were off testing somewhere, and my mother-in-law, Mary, decided to mow that whole mm. uh, approximately seven acres with a push mower in the dead of, in the dead of summer. <laughs> and I get home, and, and Dale's mad at me. He said, son, he said, we can't let her mow that yard by herself. She's going to kill herself. And I said, Dale, I was gone too. And, and then he backed off. You know, he thought I'd just sit there and there. Well, he looked out the window. Yeah. Cool in here. But, uh, that, Go, Mary. I tell people that's the only time I ever remember him getting on to me. But uh, that's, uh, he, yeah, he, he's, he's been good to me. And, and I'm sure that without knowing it, he is. Uh, he's probably opened some doors for me, me and helped me. But he would never let me know it. He helped that day when we won Charlotte. He was up there in our pits, you know, just – and I'll never forget, after the last pit stop, he goes, I'm leaving. I said, why? He goes, it's going to get big here. In the <laughs> I said, what? He goes, it's going to get big. He goes, you got them covered bad. And he said, I'm just here for, like, more support. You know, we should have won it twice, but – and then a couple of times. Hell, we should have won Darlington. Sam wouldn't come in. He says, if I come down pit road, he goes, I'm getting out. My foot's burnt. You know, he's – he, all he had was a piece of wood in the floor, you know. Yeah. He said, you tighten exhaust up to against the floorboard. I said, no. <laughs> as soon as he come, he pulled up to the gas, but Neil Bond and I think one. We, everybody got tires, and we didn't, but we were leading in. I said, if you come get tires, we'll kill them. If I come in, I'm getting out. And that's the only time I ever. And he come down pit road when the race was over, and got out, and there was some fan walking by with a cooler. He knocked the cooler out of the guy's hand, flipped the lid up, and put his foot in there. <laughs> I said, Lord. And the, he showed it, and he had a blister was out the top yeah. of his shoe. Yeah. Wow. But it didn't stop him. He kept going. And just for the record, I don't think we actually mentioned his name. Your father-in-law is Del Inman. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Don't tell anybody. It's probably well, hard just to keep, live in that don't place. Tell anybody. Too, no. Don't talk in your sleep. I had a driver do the same thing for me uh, at Richmond one time, and we were running pretty doggone good with that Levi Garrett car. And, and uh, it comes on the radio and says, I'm a coming in. I said, what? He said, I'm coming in next lap. I said, what's wrong with you? I got the hot foot. <laughs> I'll never forget it. No, I had to, when you, when you said that, that just, that's what this round table is all about, is when you say something, it reminds yeah, you of something. Here we are, a chance to win a race. And he said, I got the hot foot. So I, I got Dale, Dale Earnhardt to... Uh, to come, he had gotten out of the car. Something happened to the car. I don't know what happened, but anyway, Earnhardt got in the car and knocked every fender off and the front end and everything. But he drove the living, you know what, out of that Levi Garrett car that day at Richmond. Yeah, I remember pulling Michael Walters' fire suit off of him uh, and pulling uh, a hunk of skin with it. Yeah, and I just—that's when I realized, man, that must have been hot. Well, that's I mean, like, that big oh, yeah. hard skin. We just, we yeah. Nazareth and Bobby Hill and we had Hoosiers on, qualified good, and they'd fly apart in about 10, 15 laps, and it was hot. Dale was there, Earnhardt, and he run a couple laps and blew up. And he come down there and rolled all his good years down there, and he goes, look, next, put them tires on, take the two-lap penalty, he goes, you'll kill them. Well, I, I never even thought about it, but those tires were like an inch smaller. Well, the gear went, I mean, he come by, it sounded like a plane. It was, <laughs> we made up two laps, one under the green, got caution the next time, and won the race with Hill and and I called her. I mean, we used all the tire, everything. I said, hey, man, what are you doing? Oh, don't worry about it. Yep. Don't even worry about it. I mean, I, was, I don't know how we got all that mess home, but it was, it was, <laughs> That's it was back good. when you had to put everything in the truck. There wasn't no champion yeah. tire yeah. service. That's, that's when the truck, uh, the trailer and race car in it got crashed that oh, yeah. right down the road from the mm. racetrack. Yeah, that, that Ended true. up driving the race car I the rest to, of the way the race. Sure happened. That's happened. I was, we was coming in the parking lot. I'm like, when did he must have parked the trailer outside? No, and Monson was driving the truck. He got out. He was talking so fast I couldn't understand him. I said, "What's the matter?" And he was coming to the racetrack, and there's a lady gonna turn, and a dump truck hit her from behind in a Chevette and put her. She went between the truck and trailer, sheared the trailer ball off. The enclosed trailer went out in the field with a car and a toolbox in it. We drive down there, unload it, unload the car. It didn't hurt it. The truck, I mean, the axle flew out from under the trailer. Took the tag off. I gave the tag to Ted Condor. I said, "Here, here's the trailer." Ty Bodine drove the car to the racetrack down the road, and I had the two. Drove the race car. Oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we was like about a mile and a half. I can show you the spot, and I was sitting on the back of the rental car holding a handle on the toolbox. We pulled it all down there and put it in the garage. You went racing. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's the good old days right there.
All right, Steve, what did you think of that, bud? Well, we got to do this again. <laughs> sure. Well, the thing is, I really feel like they were just getting warmed up an hour into this conversation. So just wait until next week. I think it's going to be another high old good time. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are at the Scene Vault Podcast, where we don't let facts get in the way of a good story. Right bunch, yeah. Where relevance is irrelevant, and we don't give a shit about your feelings. <laughs> <laughs>